Welcome back to Mysterious Goings On, yet another installment of our look at creativity in all walks of life. Now, let me ask you something, listener, and you can reply if you wish, depends on where you are. But you know what? If you're going to be that kooky guy in the subway who talks to himself, why not? Just do it. Here's the question. When you think of creativity, beyond the criminal connotation, do you ever think of accounting? We all hear about cooking the books and haha and criminality that's involved with being creative with the books if you're an accountant or a bookkeeper. But we're talking about what if you're somebody who works with numbers and works with spreadsheets and helps people deal with taxes and balances and revenue and loss and profit and all of that? Is there room for creativity in that area? of professionalism and daily life. Well, we're going to find out. Today, we're welcoming back a very special guest. He's really never been on the show before, but he's been my buddy forever. And we used to do a podcast together way, way back when, uh, for a few years. And uh, we haven't done a show of any kind together since we quit that show. So this is a, uh, a reunion of sorts. So you'll pardon us if we lapse into inside jokes occasionally. We'll try not to. We don't want to leave you all out. But I want to welcome to the show my good friend, Mike Holsey. Mike, welcome to Mysterious Goings On. Thanks, Alex. I uh, I love being here. It's it's always good. It's good always to good. good to hear your voice on the show here, man. Gosh, we had a show. When did we? It was called Simon's Groove, and it was just purely a lark. It was silliness and just talking about our lives and the paranormal, yes. and we we did all sorts of stuff. Whatever we could come up with that was strange, we, we talked about. <laughs> yeah, because you had, and you know, the genesis of that, oh, actually wasn't, of this, is it wasn't really Simon's Groove, was it? We first appeared on terrestrial radio together. That's correct. What station correct. was it, buddy? WKY? No, it was not. Was it WKY? WKY AM, Oklahoma City, the oldest radio station west of the Mississippi. Yes, yes. For, for about a I year. It still yeah. exists. I don't know. I think it still does. It's the format, God knows. But um, we would, every Sunday, for three hours, we had a call-in show. And Mike, at first, just kind of was the guy. He would kind of jump in here and there. And then it became kind I of was a... color. He was color commentator, exactly. I was kind of carrying this load and interviewing people, but Mike would jump in. And then it got became more and more like, well, part of the problem being that nobody called in the show. <laughs> I was always so thankful when you showed up. He would basically show up with a cup of coffee in the Sunday paper, and if he saw something in the paper, he would interject about that, or if we had an issue That's or true. question. So anyway, but Mike, it's the weird good. The thing I could find in the paper, the better. Well, it's really good to, to have you back. And I think even you were a little uh, taken aback when I contacted you and said, hey, man, listen. You've had a really creative a career, and I'd really like to talk about it. I don't mean just the accounting part of it, but would you mind just giving me a little uh, Cliff's notes on what you've done? I mean, starting all the way back. You no, know, Alex, I, I, I tell everybody I am the proverbial jack of all trades, master of none. Well, let's let's so, hear about it, Jack. Let's go. Well, I, one of my stories, and I was relating this to a class of seniors uh, the other day when I when they asked me to teach an accounting class, and uh, I said this all started as an accountant back when I was in the Boy Scouts at age 11, 12, somewhere in there, and they voted me as the treasurer, and I went fighting that. Uh, didn't didn't really want to, but ever since then, I've been the treasurer at every single group I've ever belonged to, and it just stuck. So. I finally gave up and went back to college after getting degrees in political science and public relations, dual degrees. Uh, I went back and just uh, got enough accounting to sit for the CPA exam because it, it just kept following me. So I gave up and finally gave in and 
and when became the Countess. Well, but you were in high school. You were also in a in a pretty successful little local band. Were you the treasurer or the the accountant for the band as well? <laughs> I was. I was the treasurer of the band. Absolutely, I was. Yes, <laughs> I I was responsible for getting the money and putting it in the bank and distributing it out. So it's Mike Holsey on bass or whatever you played, or is it was it rhythm guitar or bass or whatever? And Jack of all trades, master of none. I played guitar, bass, piano, trumpet, and sang. And of course, the tambourine when that was required. So wow, I didn't even know you did all of that. So now your now your I, key, your your keyboard became the uh, the uh, the ten key. The, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That's that is true. The piano lessons that I took when I was uh, in the second grade have now transpired into a ten key. So ten key. I gotta have ten key. Gotta have the ten key. Yeah. Well, and there's no overdubs on this guy's ten keys. I'll tell you, he's he's straight up with it. But you know, so it's it's interesting. You you did do that, but you started your career or early in your career, you were at the city of Oklahoma City, right? You did uh... right. I uh, well, my first job out of college was a political campaign manager. I went through um, the political parties, and I'll go ahead and say it: Republican political, the Oklahoma Republican Party. I uh, had a class, and they taught you how to be a campaign manager. Right. Uh, this was straight out of college. I went through the class. Became I was assigned to a campaign and worked that for about a week. I'm not going to name the person that I worked for, but I, I, it, I became very disenfranchised with politics at that time. It only so took a week. Only took a week. It took me I ten years. <laughs> that's, well, I know it took you. You're a little slower on that, which is amazing that that I'm not because I'm a slow thinker. But I, I, then I, I just went to work for the city of Oklahoma City. Well, actually, for a trust of the city, it was called the Central Oklahoma Transportation Parking Authority. They ran the transit system and uh, the parking system for downtown Oklahoma City, which consisted of six parking garages. That's that's a pretty good little asset to run. Yeah, and you were very young. Uh, right out of college at Man. 21, I was the uh, my first job with COTPA was selling bus passes to companies trying to talk them into providing transportation, free transportation to their employees so that we could, uh, you know, expand the ridership of the bus system. Right. Did so, you... but, you know, because, and that came from my public relations degree. That's kind of how I got into that. Joan Lockwood, she was the marketing director for the transit system. She was the first person to ever hire me out of the gate, which uh, I'm still friends with her today because, you know, I've, I've always kind of respected that that she 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 hired me I, I get it i'm still pretty tight with one of my first bosses he uh he's he was a mentor for many years but uh, it's it's important to do those things so you but you you worked through that and then eventually though like you said you you kept kind of finding yourself in a, a role where you uh watching the books and do mining the books for companies and you got your cpa and you did those things so what kind of cpa work did you do what type of clients perhaps is the best question for, for a few years uh, right out of the gate, and I was still working for the Transit Authority. I I was the parking director for quite a while, and my job there was to, my first job there as I was hired is to replace the outgoing parking director who was retiring. Uh, my my first job was to eliminate a contractor that was providing services to the city parking garages, and they were, we felt that they were mishandling funds. So we just created a new contract and got them out. That was kind of my my accounting 
thing with that. While I was there, I decided that uh, I needed a career change. I didn't want to be in city government all my life. So I outlined a kind of a career path to go into accounting and specialize in healthcare. So I would, uh, I worked downtown and at lunchtime, I would go over to the Oklahoma Health Science Center, which is one mile away, Mm -hmm. sit in the library there and study every kind of administrative or financial management book I could find or magazine or publication. Keep in mind, this is back before the internet. So you had to go to the library back then. And I would just sit there at, at lunch and study anything I could find in that library about financial management of healthcare organizations. I also studied for the accounting. I was taking night school at uh, the local college here, UCO, uh, to, to become a CPA. And I sat for the exam and passed that eventually after three tries. Oh, wow. And just immediately found a job with a upstart clinic to run the clinic. So that's kind of how I got started in that whole process of that career change. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I worked at OUHSC the you know, years later, of course, and I, I would go to the library and find a study carol and sleep over my lunch hour. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, that'll work. It worked for me. What's wrong with that? I'm not going to find anything wrong. I was in my 20s. I spent a lot of late nights, so, you know. Well, uh, I'm sure that you needed that sleep. I did, indeed. Yeah, so you did that. But uh, And fast-forwarding, though, you you eventually got to where uh, you went out, hung out your own shingle, and had your own accounting firm, and you did that for a number of years, which kind of it's just kind of par for the course for what I know about you and your varied interests and how your mind works. You You got into oil and gas. I did. You know, back in uh, the mid-2000s, folks in the healthcare industry, particularly the one I was specializing in, which was nursing homes, hospices, home health, the Medicare was trying to change a lot of the rules and uh, regulations and reimbursement programs. And I did a lot of cost reporting for mm-hmm. those entities. And the more I did, the more I found that I didn't like all of the regulation changes and the way they were affecting the owners. And to be quite frank, some of the owners weren't always up and up Mm -hmm. and it just didn't fit into my, um, didn't feel fit into my wheelhouse of, of what I wanted in, in a client and kind of where I was headed in my, in my career. So I, I, had friends in oil and gas. I asked them about it. They said, yeah, you can do this and that. And it's pretty easy to you know, make the switch. So I did. I, I made a switch. I went to landman school, which was, you know, a, a, a part-time thing. And it wasn't a degree program, but it was a, it was a certification. I became a oil and gas landman and kept my accounting as, as kind of a way to pay the bills and the ups and downs of the oil industry. Cause it does have ups and downs. But, uh, I spent about 12 years being primarily a landman, slash CFO and uh, had several stints at different oil companies doing that, that kind of work and uh, did a lot of specialized uh, projects with regard to acquisitions and divestitures. There's a lot of that that goes on. Right. And I, and I should, I should mention, I jumped ahead. We actually met when one of your last gigs working as a CFO, you were CFO of a healthcare management firm and I was the director of marketing and then vice president of marketing. And that's where we became friends. And uh, we became good friends. Very good friends there. That's how we met. But I want, I just jumped ahead of that because it's all part of that. uh, Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, so you got into oil and gas, but so I guess the, the, 
thing is that, and you did that for a number of years, and you still have your hands in oil and gas a little bit. I understand a little right? bit, a little it's bit in a downturn. Right. And a little, and, but then you kind of swung back to accounting and this is kind of where the creativity people are wondering if you, although I think it's, it's interesting already that you are a creative person. You, you're, you know, a musician who could play all these instruments from one time you were a kid and you've got a public relations degree, which is so frankly, folks, I have a PR background in education. It's very rare to find somebody with a PR degree. Who's an accountant. It, that alone is, is part of it. But then you are been always good at seeing opportunities. So you, you saw that cost reporting and saw that the way people are handling, uh, you know, the government funding of healthcare, that was one issue. You, you could see that's a good opportunity for me to get in there and do some good and make some money. Then you saw, well, wait a minute, you know what? Oil prices, everything, the energy prices, they're going up. I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to make some make a living there. Now you've got kind of what I would call a budding new new business. <laughs> it's an up and coming industry. That's there's no doubt about that. Okay, so, so it should surprise no one who knows you. Uh, although it did surprise me a little bit that now you, what your company has a division that is all about working with marijuana-related businesses. Right. So in in late 2019, I'm sorry, the state of Oklahoma passed the Medical Marijuana Act, and so they they now in the state of Oklahoma allow the use of marijuana for medical purposes. Now, there's lots of rules attached to that. But uh, one of my friends in oil and gas, and he helped me, uh, Jay, he helped me get started in oil and gas, and he, we were having lunch one day, and he said, you know, there's this budding industry, uh, pardon the coming up, that might fit you. I mean, you might be interested in looking at that. And so I did. I started looking at it. And the more I looked at it, the more I liked it because it was just – as everyone in Oklahoma will tell you, the wild, wild west. Everything was being formed, and the new rules come up every day. It's just, it's a, it's a fascinating industry to me because I can, I feel like I'm at part of the the ground level here where we're actually writing the rules. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, this is what's interesting to me on the creative level is you're you're a conservative guy. And and I know this. You you have no you have no use for marijuana whatsoever. I, I don't. No, personally, I don't. I don't have a. And and when it was illegal, you know, my my kids sometimes would make comments about getting high or something. I said, "No, you guys got to get it. You don't do that. Don't don't do that." But you know, it's all about following the law, right? So. You're very, yeah, law and order. Oriented. But then when it came legal, you're like, uh, I sense an opportunity here. <laughs> so can't pass this up. Tell I me could. about, the, can we generalize a little bit? Is this okay? Can we generalize about the type of clients you typically work with? And, and I, I don't mean their personalities necessarily, but I mean, are they strong business people or do they have more of a desire to work with, with marijuana or is it there, in between? There or? is a strong desire for these folks to work with marijuana. I kind of relate it to the old guy like you and me. Uh, and you're not old, but uh, the guys there. that sit around think, you know, I always wanted to open a bar. There's nothing better. There would be <laughs> nothing better in life than owning a bar. And I'd go to the bar every day and have friends and sit around and buy them some drinks. Maybe that'd be a great thing. And these, the guys that and girls that I'm dealing with now are of that nature, but they've been given a phenomenal opportunity to go out and open these grows and these dispensaries and they love it they love their jobs they love owning a business 
the fallback or the, the the failing in that is they're not business owners. They, they've never most of these guys have never owned a business in their life and don't really understand the dynamic that is involved in payrolls and and just the everyday business of of making sure you're making money. Right. It's like you said, your analogy, you often hear about that the cliche is uh, uh, cops are going to retire and open a, a bar, right? And they're great cops yeah. and they enjoy yeah. drinking, but they're not necessarily business owners. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So these folks are enthusiasts for marijuana and they believe in it. And, it, and I, I, I'm sure it has its, obviously it has its applications or it wouldn't be legalizing it. Um, sure. But um, so how is it though? How is it when you how do you approach them? Do they, do they look at you and go, oh, boy, who's this guy? You know, is, does he even understand us? Or, and, and, and maybe you, you embrace that. I don't know. Maybe you say, I don't have to understand you. I understand the books, and I will keep you out of trouble. Is that how you do it, or how do you approach these folks? Not really. I don't approach it that way. I, you know, and oddly enough, the, one of my first clients, and I hadn't met them yet, I'd spoken to them on the phone, and they said, hey, you know, we want to use you. So I, I go into their office or their store. I walked in with my uh, jeans, and and I, folks out there don't don't really know my dress, but uh, I wear Vans. I mean, pretty much every day I wear Vans jeans. Check, and checkered Vans, right? Checkered Vans, the black and white. I have some other colors too, but I walked in that day with that in my backpack with my computer in it, and uh, I knew the, you know I knew the individual and. Well, I didn't. Know, I didn't know him. That's the thing. I, I had just talked to him on the phone, and he's sitting there in the store, in in the storefront, and he looks at me, and uh, I, I said, "Hey, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for uh, Joe Smith," and he says, "Well, I'm Joe Smith. What do you need?" I said, well, "I'm Mike Colsey. I'm here to talk to you about uh, your accounting." He said, "Oh my gosh, I thought you were either from the FBI or the tax commission," <laughs> and I thought, "Well." How did you get that? I'm wearing Vans. Come on. <laughs> but he said, no, you just have that look. You know, you don't look like a guy that'd walk in here. So um, it is true. Yeah. And now I just, I, my sales pitch is that I, I understand small business. I've worked in small business all my life. That's my passion. And I want to help you make money. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. What's the biggest obstacle you've had to deal with though, getting into the uh, MRBs? convincing them that they need accounting just from the ground up. They just don't understand that because this is a, you know, it's a level one narcotic. It's still illegal in the, in the eyes of the federal government. Right. So you're, you're basically a uh, running an illegal drug operation in the eyes of the federal government. State says it's legal. We're good. Just follow the laws. And you, you know, we love you because you contribute to the economy, but convincing them because it's a cash-only business, it's very hard to bank in this business. So everyone basically is keeping cash in their safes. Oh. And the mentality, I think, and I'm not going to speak for any owners, but I think the mentality is, oh, I have to buy my product with cash. I sell it for cash. Why do I need to worry about accounting? Because I know what, you know, I just put the cash in the safe. As long as there's cash in there, I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's and there's a day that that'll catch up, and but that day hasn't occurred for most of these folks because we're still within the first year. Are how are banks about this? Are there, do banks want to work with these folks? Banks, I have met so many banks because one of my 
one of my goals was to find a bank to be able to bank these folks. And there are a few banks that do it. A few banks have even gotten into it and then gotten back out because they said, oh, this is, this is way too complicated. But there's a few banks that do it here in the state of Oklahoma, and I know every state that has it legalized. There's, there's banks out there that will do it. For uh, the first bank that started doing it here in, in Oklahoma, providing cannabis uh, banking services, charged a minimum of $1,000 per month plus a fee of depositing of, I believe that bank was three cents, three percent to deposit cash. Wow. So it it becomes expensive and and everyone thinks I don't need to worry about that. I'll put it in the safe. So that's that's kind of the banking problem we have. Does and until the Congress comes to terms with that idea and passes a banking act, uh, it's going to continue to be a problem. Well, this is potentially creating uh, a danger for these dispensaries, isn't it? I mean, if, if everybody knows they're sitting on tons of cash. Oh yes, there you have to have you have to install a lot of security. You can't just have flimsy doors and glass protecting your assets. And what scares me, Alex, is someone that's aware of how much cash is in that back safe may not hesitate to you know come in during operating hours with with a weapon and and say, hey, open this safe. I want your money. There's another problem. You have to be very, very careful in hiring your employees because you could, you know, every employee you hire has the potential to turn into uh, an adversary. Right. And some of those adversaries sometimes become uh, knowledgeable in how to come in and take your money. So you have to be aware of that. There's a lot of, there's just a lot of nuances to this business. What's what's maybe been just kind of focusing back to creativity a little bit, and forgive mm-hmm. me if this is a strange question, but has there been a creative approach that you found that has been helping you be successful in this new venture, or maybe just in general? In general, one of my one of the great things I learned over the years is how to set up a company, a small company, from the start. I think in not just this business, but any business, is is knowing how to set up an entity, knowing what best uh, manner of setting that up is for, you know, to customize that business to each individual. And you get, you know, there's a lot of independent contractors in there or people in business for themselves, artists, writers, whatever, that they don't have employees and they, they feel like they need to have some type of established business structure. That's kind of where the creativity comes in is understanding what type of business structure you need at the time, what your overall goals are, where you want to go, so that you're prepared to either establish your business from the outset to, to take on that growth or, you know, structure it to where it can be changed to reflect the changes that you make over the years. Well, that kind of leads me into, uh, if you don't mind, can I can I get some free advice from you? Is that okay? <laughs> I, lo- I love free advice. Okay. I tell every every. Buddy, every I, I do a lot of cold calling in the dispensaries. I tell everyone, hey, whether you use me or not, here's my phone number, here's my website. Contact me anytime you have. It's question. true on the Don't, website. You, you got this. Just ask Mike if you're stuck. And I'm like, well, what do you charge for that? And you go, well, sometimes nothing because sometimes it's just a quick call and somebody's panicking about something and you just want to help them. And of course, you you're very karmic about that. You don't call it karma, but you believe, you know, maybe if I help people out a little bit now down the road, they'll call me sure, back. Sure, Nothing wrong sure. with that. And by the way, you run a great blog at Tracks. 
It's tracks, T-R-A-X-C-F-O.com. And there's a great blog where you have a lot of free tips that you offer every week. It's the news blog on there. And we'll put a link in the show notes on that. But let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Since Mysterious Goings On, we have a lot of listeners who are in that vein that you, you already brought up, you know, writers and uh, photographers and maybe just in general freelance type folks or people who maybe have have a day job, but are trying to have a side hustle that is creative. Right. Right. What do you tell them to do? Is there, and I understand you're not giving legal advice, but is there general advice you throw out there about, you know, how to set yourself up if you're a freelance writer or a freelance photographer or a graphic artist or something like that? What do you normally tell people like that? Certainly. And, and that's a great question because, again, I look at their overall goal. Do, what do you want to do? Is this what you want to do and just, just keep this on, just get it to the point where you don't have to work your day job, but that's all you're doing is working, you know, by yourself as a freelancer. And if that's the case, then yeah, I'll say, look, you don't really have to do anything. You just, you consider yourself in, in business, have a name and you're going to tax wise. And I'm not giving legal advice. I'm giving advice from the accounting standpoint of organization. And that, what I say is don't spend a lot of money. Don't go to a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars trying to incorporate all that because you don't need to. The structure in, in the United States is set up to where you can go into business for yourself just right off the bat. And, and you don't have to do anything, really. I do recommend an accountant for the end-of-the-year stuff, for the sole, solopreneur is kind of how I talk. But uh, because there's, there are a lot of things in there involved which you, you need to be aware of as far as business expenses, revenues, how you file, things like that. TurboTax can, is a great software, especially if you're only a, uh, a W-2 employee. But it, it's a little more complicated when you're doing your own business. And even though you don't have a corporation or you don't worry about, you know, having a partnership or an S corp, you still need some help in just identifying what those those tax regulations are that that, that are governing your business. So you don't need an LLC necessarily. You don't necessarily need an LLC. Well, and I imagine on your blog, you if you don't now, you'll eventually have some tips for people who are maybe in that boat who on how to right. maybe sure. a checklist Absolutely. or something on how to get Absolutely. started. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great idea. Let's let's take it back to the to the dispense, dispensary owners. You may have already answered this, but the biggest trap for them seems to be they've got a lot of cash lying around. But is is it also just they don't fully understand how to track expenses and pay their taxes in the right way or on they time? They do not. They, the, the business of a dispensary or a grow a medical marijuana business is vastly different when you talk about filing your income taxes and keeping financial records. Right. And that is because, again, it's federally illegal. Therefore, the IRS does not recognize you as having a valid business. Therefore, there are no business expenses, per se, allowed in these businesses. You have to be cognizant of that when you're making your money. And the money the money that's in the safe is not necessarily yours. It may belong to the government. Nice. And in some instances, it's come, the tax rate is so horrible for some of these businesses that they owe more money than they have oh geez do you think there'll be a winnowing out of a lot of dispensaries over the years oh absolutely especially in oklahoma where it's easy to get into the business and they made that intentional and oh yeah there'll be a there'll there'll be a lot of uh, businesses that are shutting down over the next few years in oklahoma right it just seems like you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a dispensary in Oklahoma these days, you know. <laughs> not, not, not in this area. I well, could, if I could, 
if I could get 100% compliance, you know, with uh, obtaining clients, I, I wouldn't have to leave more than a square mile around my office because there's plenty of business right here. That's crazy. I had no idea. I, of course, I lived in Oklahoma like for 35 years. I haven't lived there in a long time. When I do visit, I just often don't recognize things. It's it's so radically different in the uh, years since I left in 2003. Oklahoma's been a big surprise in the medical marijuana business yeah. because it is uh, so it conservative. Is, it has floored all of the predictions. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to get into, and then I, then at the end I thought we'd do a little lightning round, of maybe some tips though. But what re uh, reinvigorates you personally? What helps you get through this? Because I I know, come on, man, and I'll make an assumption, but I'm your buddy. I know these things. I know occasionally, you know. It, doing people's taxes and keeping the books it's you're good at it and it's it's a service you believe in but come on what do you do though to what do you do what does mike do to reinvigorate himself what outlets do you have just as a human being that keep you going as a human being you know alex and you're the buddy so you know this <laughs> i just love being around friends and family that there's nothing better than that and the second thing I love is going out and meeting a new friend. You know, I just, I love to go out and meet new, new people. I just, it's just something I do. And I always feel good when I've made a new friend. I always make a point and I know I'm old fashioned, but I always make a point on a new friend to get them on my Facebook just so I have a memory of them on that day. Okay. Well, you, and, you know, two years, two, three, five years from now, it'll come up a friend or friend diversary of, you know, whoever. And you're like, who Joe, the hell is that? <laughs> Joe Bob Blob. Where did I? Oh yeah, I remember that. You know, it's so, true. Yeah, yeah. It's and good. I've been, I've hung out with you so many times. Where I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. When I need to be an extrovert, I'm just fine at it. But when you you sit down, especially on a bar stool, and I'm not, you know, just having a quick drink or we're together, you've got to survey the room and meet people and talk, start a conversation, and it's great. It's great. In fact. It's been said that a character in my 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 series is partially inspired <laughs> by you, and I'll let people I'll let people guess who it might be. But uh, it, this character that he's partially inspired uh, is very gregarious and interesting, and has multi. Uh, he's a pun of a polymath, and he also named his boat after a tax instrument. So we'll just leave that. That there. doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Which that doesn't tax instrument is gone. Is that gone? Is that right? Yeah. There's yeah. not one of those anymore. There's not one of those. Holy not cow! Ever. See that shows. See, that's a good thing I got you to, to advise me. Um, that and I also know you're a fairly voracious reader. I try. You love history. I love history and biographies because there's no better way to live in the future than reading that and involving yourself in the past. Yeah, and it, it also it makes you really great on the conversational side because you've got all these anecdotes that you can you can pull back from what you've read and um, you yeah. and I've had many fascinating discussions in about all this stuff and uh, uh -huh. yeah. that's pretty yeah. great well hey I wanted to just quickly if it's okay lightning round here sure uh, let's give some let's advice to, let's let's give some solid advice here let's just say one more time and you may have already kind of touched on this but can you give us like a maybe is there a mini checklist if you're let's say these are freelancers let's just call them freelancers they're writers photographers anybody who's listening to this show who is creative and would like to maybe try to make a little side hustle on on yeah. their creative stuff what what what's this the checklist i mean you already kind of said don't worry about anything but i mean you got to worry about a few things right oh yeah yeah oh absolutely that was that was simplified first thing if you're going to have a business recognize the fact that you're going to have a business that's the first thing don't just say, hey, you know, I'll go out and write this thing and see if I can sell it. Just 
commit yourself to it, whether it be an hour or, you know, an hour a week, it, whatever it's going to be, it doesn't matter, but commit yourself to that business, have a name, whatever that name is to identify that business. So it's singled out and separate from your person that goes to bars and makes friends. And then second thing, once you get that name, go get yourself a bank account. Now the bank account doesn't have to be in that name because that, then you've got to go form a, a name with the county or with the state. But go get yourself a bank account that's at least separate, can be in your own name, but that you use only for that, that business. And that's, to me, the most important starting point for any business. Doesn't matter how small. Keep everything separate in that account. That way, at the end of the year, your financials are done. All you have, you have bank account statements, and that tells you exactly what you need to know. Yeah, and there's a threshold where you're, where with the federal government at least, where you're, you go from being a hobbyist to an actual growing concern. Uh, sure, three years of losses. Three is that? Well, that's exactly right. Well, I've been in the, business the, for the a IRS long time. will give you three years of losses before you need to turn a profit, and and at that point they'll consider it, or can consider it, a hobby. Because you can't take a loss forever against your other income. Yeah, because if that was the case, people would just take losses on a bunch of stuff just to protect huh? shelter or whatever you call it, right? Okay. So you're saying, yeah, so even just a, a just a simple checking account or a cheap checking account, I guess, or a say, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, There's lots of free checking accounts out there. Just get one of those and you're saying, let's say, okay, let's say it's an author. Let's say they're, they're self-publishing. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure that all of your royalties you get from Kindle, let's say, which you get on a month, you accrue on a monthly basis, they go right in there. Right. So there's your profits. Uh, yep. But also you put all of your expenses, like if you do marketing expenses or you pay a book cover artist or a editor, that all goes in the mix, right? But you're saying sure. you've got your books there, right there with just by running it all through there. That's a great if, tip. If, if I wish I thought of that. Stay with it and use that exclusively for your business. Don't mix it with your personal income. I like that a lot. What do you tell people uh, who are not in business necessarily who do their own taxes? Is, are you fine with that? I'm great with that. I think uh, and, and it's getting even better every year. There's more and more access to the IRS to file free. Uh, I encourage that. If you're, and we'll go back to the W-2 employee. If you're an employee and you have a W-2 and that's what you have, you and your wife, your spouse, do the online stuff because it's it's there for you. It takes you through the process and it's done. You can do it virtually free. If you have a little more stuff that you worry about that the online thing doesn't quite take, go go buy yourself the cheap version of TurboTax or whatever version that that will help you get through. You might have a rental house or you might have some oil royalties or you might have some stocks. So get the TurboTax that helps you with those things and it'll take you through those things. Yeah. Save yourself the money because I can't do a tax return for less than about a thousand dollars. So, you know, you, you need to get to the point where that's, that's worth it uh, to, to go hire an accountant. And, and I always encourage folks when they make that step to go hire professional help Hire professional help, yeah. and I'll let that speak for itself. Well, yeah, you, you helped me set up. I mean, but yeah, you helped me set up my S corp for my company, my PR company. Yes, we did. We had yeah. a meeting, that, yeah. and I remember that meeting. I do too. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> that was a partial write off. But then after t 10 years in business, I've decided to just take it down to not being an agency and be more of a Taking consultant. Up. So Taking I'm up. going to. 
probably dismantle my S-Corp because that S-Corp does create kind of a tax headache for me. And I have to hire an accountant who knows how to deal right. with an S-Corp. Right. And, and uh, everybody's listening going, well, why don't you just hire Mike? But I, and, and don't worry, Mike helps me just fine. But uh, I have an accountant here in town who I can go see, you know, because Mike lives in Oklahoma. So it's uh, it's a little different. But but I'm going to kind of pare that down. I guess over the next year or so, so I'm not having to be so complex with my taxes, particularly if it's basically just going to be me. And then if I need help, I'll hire a subcontractor. And is that right? In light of your goals, that that seems to work. I think. Well, when I had staff and I was paying out of payroll and all that stuff, it's way way more important to have an S corp and and be that because it's protects oh, yes. you and all that. Once you, know. you hire employees, you you need to be incorporated yeah. at some level. Yeah, and when you say hire employees, you mean people who are on a you know, on a payroll, um, it's not the right. same as hiring like a contractor who does like yeah. book and there's, editing. There's or something. ten rules to that, so you need to be aware of that when you're when you're employing a contractor. Make sure you understand the ten rules that that uh, make a contractor compliant versus an employee. Very important. Where are these ten rules? Come back to haunt you. Well, I, right off the top of my head, I don't know, but but I can tell you uh, basically what it is: is you if you direct that person's hours. If you direct that person's job, if you have to train that person for the job, if you require them to be on site, those are the the basics that you need to be aware of. We have that on our website. I was going to say, is that on your website? On is that on tracksfo.com? Uh, is it on the news blog? Or right, well, <laughs> I think we posted one a while back. Okay. All right. Well, I will check that and we'll put a link in the show notes. Mike, anything else you want to say while we have it? By the way, it's just great catching up. And I, and I, I wanted to let the cat out of the bag and say that uh, uh, I've missed the weirdness. And anybody who listened way back when, in fact, hey, Mike, we had another Mike on the show last week, Mike Brown, who was a fan of Simon's Group, our old show. And he had asked me if we're going to ever do anything again. And I think you and I've talked and I, I'm, I'm extending the invitation. To, I'm, to, I'm into it. Would you, you like to... Me, I'm, I'm into the weirdness. Well, do you want to come back periodically? I'm not saying every episode, but periodically come back and bring with me what you used to do on the show, which is the, the bring the weirdness, bring a weird topic, and we'll discuss it. And, yes, uh, let's do some mysterious things. Yeah, it's, you know, because mysterious goings on has not been terribly mysterious lately. It's been more like creative goings on, and that's nothing wrong with that. But there should uh, be some mysteriousness. There should definitely be. So we're going to have that back. But to anything else you wanted to add while we've got you here that that you wanted to say about the topic or just in general? I'm passionate about small business, and that's uh, whenever I find a new business to, to work with and assist, I just I love that because it, I'm not that creative when it really gets down to it, and thus I'm an accountant. But I love working with people that are creative. I just I get I just really get a thrill from all those ideas and listening to them and analyzing them, and eighty percent of it the time I'll shut them down. But uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend and you, we had a mutual friend, uh, Mr. Ox. Yep. And he, he would come up with about five new ideas every day. And we'd sit at a, at a local hangout and talk about his ideas. And, you know, every day I just, I just had this, I just reel off reasons that that won't work. That one, no, that one. Ox, that, that you can't do that. Well, Ox, that's, entirely impossible one day he shot some idea off to him and i said man i really like that idea that we need to work on that he goes oh my gosh i can't believe it this is gonna be great <laughs> he was just so ecstatic that he finally had something that i would agree to but uh yeah that's that's i'm not that creative 
So I love the creativity in other people. That's, oh, I, I wouldn't, don't sell you know. yourself too short, but you know, I think every creative person needs somebody who, uh, and I, this is not throwing cold buckets of water on it, but you need somebody who can put, you know, kind of bring you back down to earth a little bit and say, listen, I think you've got a spark here, but it's not, it's not actionable in the real world, perhaps. Correct. You know, let me, let me, let's massage this or nice try. Because as we had Mike Brown on last week talking about brain zooming, his concept about how people brainstorm, you, you don't want to shut down ideas. Um, let me finish that because you said you shut the, them down. You don't shut them down because here's the thing. You didn't just dismiss them out of hand. You would listen and engage. And that helped him eventually come up with a good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, you got you got to understand. Okay, that won't work. Why? Well, because of this, 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 and this. Yeah, we. I think we all need that. You know, how many times have I been stuck? By the way, not a lot, but there's been a few times I've gotten a hold of you about my books, a couple of books, and I said, "Geez, I'm here. This is happening. I don't know what to do." And you have just like had the the clarity to say, "Well, have you thought of this?" And a couple of times I use those. It's been very helpful. So, I folks, if you're a creative person. Find somebody who appreciates creativity, who, by the way, he's creative too, but but for the point of this, <laughs> this conversation, who appreciates creativity and supports it, but also can help you kind of, you know, stay down to earth a little bit so you can get things done. And I think that's one of the things that Mike offers. Mike, how do people get a hold of you? Where do they go? Uh, where, how do you like to be contacted? TrackCFO.com is the best way, the website. My email is on there, and there's a, there's a, there's a link on there to... Uh, to contact us. Yeah. Of course, my phone number is, is available to 405-535-6038. I'll tell that to the world. And I tell every one of my new clients, say, look, don't hesitate to call me. Well, keep it before 10 p.m. But <laughs> any day. Uh, and the dispensaries, the dispensaries here in Oklahoma, they're open seven days a week. So I, I said, look, if you, you have a problem on a Sunday evening, uh, give me a call. Don't, don't wait. Right. Let's, Figure it out right then. Don't suffer in silence. Now, now, of course, you're not doing dispensary work in any other state but Oklahoma right now, right? That is correct. That okay. is correct. So if you're out of Oklahoma, there, I mean, Mike can generally give you some general advice, maybe do some consulting with you, but actual sure. direct services, it's Oklahoma, right? Right, right. We make a con. We, we make a conscious effort to make sure that we are, my, myself or my staff, are in that dispensary at least once a month to visit them, make sure they're, you know, don't have any issues or problems and just to talk right well mike it's been a delight and uh i'm excited to have you back uh, in a few weeks to bring up some mysteries for us we're gonna oh, have yeah. some fun discussions Let's do that we'll do that uh, we used to do that we did that for years with the old show so we'll do it and it's been just a delight having you on the show don't forget if you have not caught up with all the past year or so of episodes on the show we have talked about creative approaches to lives and careers from people from all walks of life. We've talked to broadcasters, musicians, actors, photographers, product designers in the food service realm. We've talked to people of so many disciplines and too many to, to number at this point now. And now we've added an accountant. I love it. It's so great in this budding field of cannabis dispensaries in the state of Oklahoma. So please check them all out. We're available wherever you get your podcast. Of course, if you're listening now, you got this podcast and we hope you'll do it. And one last little note. I hope if you uh, haven't done it already, if you're especially if you're a small business person and you need some PR marketing or management advice, I hope you'll check in with PR After Hours. That is my new show. Great and show. 
great show. Oh, well, thanks, Mike. Mike likes that show. It's a shorter show. He likes short shows. He won't even listen to this show. It's too long for him. But he'll <laughs> he'll he'll listen. He'll. But these are short, bite-sized shots. It's it's like you're going to a virtual cocktail lounge where you can have a cocktail or a mocktail with a PR guy who just tells you what he thinks. I answer questions. It's very business-related. It's really not about the creative arts or anything like that. But people tell me it's kind of fun to listen to. And it's. But I, I I'll warn you. It's anywhere from five to fifteen minutes. That's it. And uh, it's a couple of times a week, and I have an, I'm having a blast doing it, frankly, because I just get to talk about stuff that I just know, you know. And I also like to work in little clips of interviews from people like Mike here. Please check that out. It's PR After Hours, wherever you get your podcast. It's a Anchor FM podcast, and there is a way if you sign into Anchor FM to send me a voice question that I can play on the air. If you have a specific question, I'll try to answer it. All right, and, and thank you for listening, and until next time, keep reading. Hey, Mysterious Going On fans. Are you a fan of live music? If so, you'll want to check out my podcast, Trading Fours. I'm your host, Jamie Green. Trading Fours is a fun, casual conversation with Kansas City musicians. Join me as we find out what makes Kansas City such a special place for live music. You can find my podcast, Trading Fours, wherever you subscribe to your favorites. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.